Greetings and welcome to the Quest for Wisdom podcast, where we search for nuggets of wisdom from the lives of some truly amazing people. Today's guest is Vem Hu. Vem is a video editor, artist, musician, comedian, and all-round creative. Vem manages the content creation for the Comedy Clubhouse, so if you haven't already checked us out, then you'll find links in the description. Today we talk about overcoming addiction and Vem's journey to sobriety, J.K. Rowling, collectivist societies, and much more. Vem is a wacky character who is full of life and laughter, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Greetings, Vem Who slash Vem Oceana, to the 18th episode of the Quest for Wisdom podcast. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel like I'm 18 again. Uh, I'm going to make bad decisions and fuck up my life for nine years. That'll be fun. Okay, well, we'll hope to fit that all into this little episode. Um, before we start, I must say, you are a human. You are an all-round creative person. You are a video editor, artist, musician sometimes, as you said. Um, Good memory. Is there, is there anything else that you would like to add to this list? Um... I think you covered a lot of the bases. I am, I would say, a comedian, possibly. I like to think that I'm kind of funny, and I like to think that I make people laugh. Does that make me a comedian? Hopefully. I'm uh, not sure about the exact definition of comedian, but I think so. Sweet. I'll count that for you, so we'll add that to the list. <laughs> yeah, I got one more. Um, before we start, I want you to now do She Sells Seashells down the seashore in Swedish, which we just okay. did. All right, okay, okay. Because that was exciting um, to me. I'll start in the, with English. Uh, Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty good. Uh, and now we'll go Swedish. Uh, Sally säljer snäckor på sanden vid stranden. Very nice. <laughs> I nailed that one. You did nail it. Thank you. I feel like... Um, Swedish is just basically like Sally, Sally, Sea Shelly, dance by Sea Shorey. You've said it. That's it. That's it. Like, it, it feels like. I feel like Swedish, as well as um, Dutch, mm. sound like joke languages. <laughs> it sounds like someone is just making it up for fun. Honestly, sometimes it, it does feel like that. It's a very dorky language. <laughs> it's really I feel. dorky. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's like um, the a person. Someone speaking Swedish, you'd expect them to like do math or read a book, play Dungeons and Dragons like a nerd. I do like the do game. Do you all of those things? <laughs> <laughs> you do all of those things? No, do you? I, I don't do math, <laughs> at least. That's why I'm an artist. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Those two things don't usually go hand in hand. No, they don't. They don't. Uh, my dad was an engineer, so he tried to teach me math, and maybe that's why I don't do math anymore. Possibly. <laughs> Very nice. Um, we also, before we started, we spoke a little bit about how maybe the quest for wisdom should be the quest for how to get high healthily mm. without taking drugs, because we realized that <clears throat> drugs are unhealthy. Yes, unfortunately, uh, it would be cooler if they were healthy and, um, you know, it'd be cool if junk food was healthy too. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be sick. But we are, we do live in this reality, unfortunately. So maybe the quest for wisdom should be the quest for natural highs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the quest for um, reliving uh, childhood happiness. Because I, I feel like somewhere we got lost along the way, like 
I, I don't know how your childhood was, but I, was, I felt pretty good. I was playing around a lot, um, making a lot of stuff, creating. And um, then alcohol and partying started getting into the mix. Yeah. Right. And it started off like super fun. Um, it really did. But I could not really handle it. Um, well, it started like I could I could have a bottle of vodka in my closet and then just like leave it for the weekends. But at some point, uh, I just couldn't do that anymore, and it became such a habit. And um, um, then weed got introduced to the mix, and I just kind of started alternating between the two mm-hmm. and uh, forgetting what I really enjoyed. Um, instead of doing something that I really wanted to do, I would drink or smoke instead and that kind of just removed the passion for a lot of things um why do you think you started drinking and smoking um drinking i think is just because it was like a a social a society a societal kind of thing right like um someone gave me my first beer at 16 like here you gotta drink it (laughs) i'm like okay it was disgusting and they're like don't worry after after a bit of time that disgust is going to go away. And I'm like, okay, all right, I guess so. Um, and that's the thing, like this thing that is uh, disgusting to your body, you're like persuaded to keep drinking it um, because one day it's going to be better. One day you'll be like, cool, if you do it, if if you can like drink a whole beer. And when you're 16, 17, you really want to be cool. I'm 27 now, and I really want to be cool still. <laughs> uh, so it's going to happen one day. Just keep fighting. <laughs> one day, one day, hopefully. Uh, that'd be nice. That's why I wear these. Um, it's it's pretty warm right now, but I think, I think they look pretty good. <laughs> keep them on. Well, I like the way that you dress. I Thank think you. it's exciting and individual, and I think that makes you cool, them. Yes. So you have my vote of confidence, mm. if that means anything to you. There's at least one person... But it's funny what you mentioned about alcohol being gross because I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. Like when I stopped mm. drinking, I like I went on some medication and I one of the ones was called naltrexone. Mm. And what it does is it blocks the pleasure signal that goes to your brain. Oh shit. So it's mental. They use it for alcohol and for um opioids. Mm. Um because alcohol and opioids work on the same part of the brain, like the same receptors get fired. Um <clears throat> so yeah, it blocks the pleasure signal. So what happens is that you drink, but then you're not getting any of the pleasure from it. So it, and it's mental. Like you can actually feel what I could feel anyway, like almost like the impulse mm. of happy of like pleasure coming. And then literally just as it starts, it stops. Huh. And it's really weird because then effectively what you're doing and I, I'd like stopped drinking for a few months and then I went to Ireland and I wanted to um I wanted to test it out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this medication, see what happens, see like how it affects my drinking, whatever. So I went there, started drinking, wasn't getting drunk at all, mm. was just hating it because you're just effectively drinking a glass of poison and not yeah. getting any pleasure from it. Yeah, yeah. And I hate, I've always hated the taste of alcohol. I think it's all vile. It is pretty um, gross. And then, but I was like making myself drink. You know, because I was like, I'm going to try and drink as I usually would. Mm. And I was like, just like necking stuff. And it was absolutely repulsive. And then towards like after a few hours, you start feeling hungover whilst you're still drinking. Oh, my God. Because that's what your body's doing. But you just don't notice because you're feeling like all the pleasure from being drunk. You just don't realize that your body is already getting unwell. 
as you're drinking it. Holy shit. And then you just start feeling a bit sick, like in the middle of the night as you're carrying on drinking. I carried on drinking. Then the next day I woke up and um, started drinking again because that's what I usually would have done. Mm. And then, but I was like taking the medication and I really didn't want to start drinking, which was unusual for me. But I was like, right, I'm going to make myself do it anyway. And just then, to like, like test it out. Just to test it out. Mm. I was like, look, I'm just going to do what I was usually doing to see mm. if I'm like cured, you know, after like two months of being sober. <laughs> I was like, I'm probably cured now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. How did that go? And then, yeah. And then I carried on drinking the next day. And it was, again, it was just absolutely repulsive. And I used to love neck in vodka. Um, and I was like drinking a glass of it. And it was just making me wretch. And it never mm. used to do that. It used to like, you know, you, I get that pleasure from the, even it just touching in my mouth, even though it's disgusting because I was so used to doing it. Mm. It would make me feel like nice yeah. drinking it. But I was literally drinking it and I was struggling to get it down. And I was like, this is what this is the reaction your body is supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not supposed to be able to drink it and just like pour a glass of straight vodka down your mouth. Like, no, I mean, like give, give alcohol to someone who's never even heard of alcohol, right? They'd probably be like, no, I'm not going to put this in my body. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. And then it just like totally rewired then. And, and I tried that again with that medication on like two other holidays then mm. in the next like six months or whatever. And it just basically, I think it just rewired my brain. And now I don't really crave alcohol unless I'm like <clears throat> really bored or um, if I go somewhere and, I'm, and it's really shit. <laughs> then like, <laughs> then I'm like, and everyone else is drunk and just annoying. Then I'm just like, it's, it's not even like, a, it's, I don't miss the alcohol really. I just miss the being drunk sometimes. Yeah, I feel like. And yeah. just being like, Ugh. whereas like the actual drinking part of it is disgusting. So you can drink um, nowadays like no, without. I don't drink. Oh, you don't drink no, at no, all? No, no, oh, no. Okay, no. Okay, yeah. So like I tried those little few things and then I stopped like five years ago. Five years ago? Holy shit, that's More a while. Than, I think so. No, six years. Nice. Yeah, six years. Six years now, basically. I'm only I'm only like almost a month in. How does it feel like being like six years into it? It feels amazing. Yeah. It feels like it feels like a superpower because it feels like you've just cut off a disability. Mm. It's like something that's just literally like weighting you down. Dude, and yeah. just like destroying your whole life and destroying all your relationships and destroying basically everything you ever do or touch. Your mind, man. And your mind yeah. is just like literally just wrecking every part of your life. And then it's like you'd stop that. <laughs> and yeah, it takes ages to like get used to socializing. And mm. it takes like, you know, once you once you go totally clean of everything, it takes ages for like you to process all the emotions and process your past and process the present and all that type of stuff. Mm. That takes ages. How long did it take for you? Um... 62 days. <laughs> I don't know how long it took in total because after I stopped drinking then I was on medication mm. for like a few years and then I started taking loads of drugs and then I stopped the drugs and then after the drugs it took like two years mm. to get like, then I had just like severe depression for like Damn. two years and that then it took two years. Fucking sucks. But I think stopping alcohol is not as bad as stopping drugs because it doesn't it doesn't like mess your brain up so badly. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, but I I do agree with what you said. I do feel free. Like I feel like I've freed myself. I wanted to uh, I wanted to not do drugs and alcohol for such a long time, and it's always just been so hard. Mm. But then I stopped, and now it feels like it's the easiest thing. Honestly, because um, I. I can do so much more. I'm not, as you said, disabled anymore. It feels <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's 
it's crazy. Mm. And like then I see it also kind of weird because you see how like odd everyone is. Like when you go to a social situation sober and everybody else has had a few drinks, then you realize how weird everyone is. Yeah, right. And how you're like, oh God, I wasn't the only weird one. Everyone's weird. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't have to have anxiety every night or wake up like, God, what did I do? Because everyone's doing weird. Yeah, everyone's stuff. weird and awkward. So <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And they're probably thinking the same thing. Everyone's just going home, like thinking, oh no, everyone's going to be thinking about what I did. But we're all thinking about ourselves. Amen. So what sparked your decision to stop? Um, a few things. A few things. Um, I turned 25 and I was like, I had kind of decided for a while that at 25 is when I wanted to stop and get serious with my life. Like I'll party for the first five years of my 20s and then get serious for the uh, other half. But then uh, that didn't happen. Um, um I, d I like I like numbers. I like how they uh, I don't know. There's just, like I stopped smoking right before 2020. Uh, good number. And 2020 then, is a good number. Yeah, there's a good number. Uh, so I can say like, oh, we didn't smoke in the 20s. Um, and then I turned 27 um, a month ago, uh, and I thought, hey, that's a that's a pretty good pretty good number to stop because um, cute number. Yeah, because like they a lot of people. So many people die at 27. <laughs> a lot of artists die at um, 27. Um, it seems like joining the 27 club, if you've heard that. Um, and I like to, I like to kind of live my life um, in a way that would look good, like in an autobiography, if I, if I ever wrote one, or a biography if someone else wants to write one for me. Um, but then, like stopping right before 27 i think that's pretty funny because then i can't join the 27 club through like an overdose or or getting too drunk um uh, so that that was part of the decision uh another part of the decision was um coming here and meeting all these uh ambitious people uh in sweden in sweden the circles i was in we would like complain about stuff we'd drink and smoke and just be generally sad and do tongue twisters. Do tongue twisters every day. That's what pissed us off so much. Oh, God, I just can't get my words out ever. <laughs> yeah, take another <laughs> shot, get worse at it, <laughs> but feel like you're doing it better. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of people here are going sober, uh, mm. which is really cool. And um, it, pro it probably makes it a lot easier for me to, to do it when there's a good community behind you, supporting you, um, and not just like... You don't you don't have to go out and get drunk. You can still go out, uh, but that is also kind of hard. Like what you were saying about socialization, socializing, uh, it still is something I'm ha I'm struggling with right now, to be honest. Yeah, it it does take a little while because mm. you just have to kind of try and get comfortable with yourself. And then I don't think do people ever get comfortable with themselves? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm certainly more comfortable with myself than I was. That's good. Um, which is good. But there's a long way to go, I think. Do you still have anxiety? Um, no, I wouldn't say I've got anxiety. That's no. awesome. Did you um, have it before, though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say that, like, before, I would have racing thoughts all day, every day. Mm. And now I don't ever have racing thoughts. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That would be nice. Like, I used to hate going to bed because... I would just lie there and mm. it's like, <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then 
I would hate going to bed. And that's part of the reason why I used to drink to blackout all the time, because then I'd know I would drink and then I'd pass out. Mm. And I know then I'd go to sleep and I wouldn't have the anxiety of going to sleep or trying to get to sleep because it used to like stress me out so much the thought of going to bed Shit. that like I wouldn't want to do it. So what, I, like, what stressed going, you out about it? About lying in bed with racing thoughts because oh, yeah. there's nothing else to distract you there and you're just That's lying true. there. Whereas like the rest of the day you can distract yourself with stuff. Um, but then I realized like at one point the racing thoughts just stopped. Shit. And then that was into uh, a few a few moments into sobriety. It was quite a long time. That was probably mm. like two years ago now, maybe. Shit. Um, but then they just they just stopped. And then like yeah. almost, almost like it didn't even seem that gradual. It was almost like one week I had them, one week I didn't. That's so strange. Could have also been to do with drugs coming out my system. It could. It could. But does it take that long? It does if you mess with your serotonin, it can take like a year or more. Oh shit. Mm. Uh shit. Damn it. Yeah. So like going on antidepressants or like I was taking loads of MDMA and pills. Mm, um, MDMA is fun. <laughs> MDMA is fun, yeah. Um but I was taking loads and then I sort of lost my mind, went like manic and psychotic and so I was taking like I don't know, probably like at least five grams a week. Mm. Probably shit. like, oh my god, even potentially more. Holy like shit! Five days a week. That, um, probably, that yeah, probably more than five grams a week. Definitely fuck your for quite a long in. time. So like, then towards the end of it, then when I came and I was on medication as well, which I, they weren't like antidepressants as such. It was like ADHD medication, but mm. it affects your serotonin as well. So then when I came off that, it's like a double whammy, and all pleasure, all happiness, all joy, everything was removed from my life for like a year and a half. Something that like that. It's very depressing. <clears throat> very depressing. Yeah. It was like unable to feel any sort of positive emotion. Mm. But like I knew what was happening because I'm quite interested in like what drugs do to your body and how they affect your brain and everything. So I like always research about it, not even particularly for like safety concerns, but just mm. because I'm interested to see like as if I'm the experiment, like doing it on myself and like experimenting how crazy i can go <laughs> um and then but i went too far that yeah you probably you probably you definitely did holy shit i did uh, mdma for for a week like the first time i found out about mdma or i got mdma um i did it for like a week uh i only had like a gram tops and after that week holy shit i was I didn't know who I was anymore, and I all I could think about was like, there's no purpose to anything. I should just off myself, and that was just a gram during a week. And you were doing like five grams per week, probably more. And then that's like plus pills as well. How did you have any serotonin left for it to like even work on? Like, what was it even doing in the end? In the end, it wasn't really making me. It wasn't making me happy at all. It was making me like angry, mm. and um. It was making me horrible. It was just making me a horrible person, basically. Because, mm. like, you're so wired, but, like, you're not feeling any positive emotion. Yeah. So you're, like, wired and you have all this kind of, like, energy, but it's, like, the reverse of happiness. It's, mm. like, it's like pushing you the other way instead because you've got no serotonin. So it's, like, you go on the other way. Or you end up going manic, which is, like where you have just all your emotions are so extreme mm. and then you're just like doing loads of crazy things and you're a different person totally you know you like 
contacting random people from the past and saying weird things and like coming up with ideas and then blasting them forwards and like doing loads of stuff. And I was doing it all pretty publicly. <laughs> so like, publicly? Like, yeah, yeah. Like doing a lot of it on Instagram and not Instagram, Facebook at the time, I think. And We're doing just like, like contacting loads of people and like doing like webinars and stuff like that while I was absolutely fucked. Huh. Um, <laughs> and like loads of the stuff. And like at one point I, I ended up like for like two days, I was writing a, um, I ended up like sat in my bed mm. and I'd been taking like loads of MD and loads of ketamine and, and some GHB as well. And then some Valiums. And I was like basically like in this like psychotic state where I was basically, I was there for two days in my bed, hardly without moving, just like in and out of consciousness, just like writing this massive letter. Mm. And it ended up being like 16,000 words. Holy shit. I wrote. And what I, what did you write? A, I wrote, it was like a letter to my family, but I'd, I'd never been able to read it. I've never like, I've been too scared to read it. That's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Oh it's my basically God. like a fucking thesis that I wrote. Um, Do you remember just, like the sentiments? Anger. Oh, fuck. Anger and <laughs> hatred. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. That's why I've never opened it. Yeah, probably Because it will best. not be anything nice whatsoever. It'll be horrible. You'll probably burn it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that I did write in paper as well that I burnt. Yeah? Yeah, like I burnt it in my shower and then I burnt a little hole in the plastic on the bottom of the shower. I've been there. I've done that <laughs> so too. I was, like, oh. I was like, oh, this is really symbolic. Like, let's burn this thing. And it goes on the floor. It just starts melting the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, God's sake. <laughs> I, uh... Um, I was 16 and uh, this girl had cheated on me. It was awful. It was terrible. But uh, I'd, I'd written this letter to her that I never got to read to her. Um, so I burned it in the bathtub. But I'm, I, I burned the symbolic hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see that hole and I'm like, all right, it reminds me of how stupid I was. <laughs> um, let's not do these things again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the racing thoughts, that was a, a long tangent, but the racing thoughts... <clears throat> It was also at one point I realized that when I found out that your thoughts aren't real, mm. I think that was the turning point to stopping the racing thoughts. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because before, like, you have these racing thoughts and then you're concerned about the thoughts and then you're like, oh my God, what is that? Why am I thinking this? And then you're like, oh, does this mean that? And then blah, blah, blah. Mm. But then when you realize that they're not real, that's just your body and your brain playing out random scenarios for the sake of it yeah and also you get hooked on the adrenaline of things so like when you have negative thoughts and like crazy thoughts or thoughts about people you don't like or something like that it stimulates adrenaline which you then get hooked on which Shit. then stimulates your brain to think of more of those things is that why i think that everyone fucking hates me and i keep going into these circles of yeah. like they hate me for these reasons this specifically and then i keep going further into that yeah because it's, it's it's like they're thought loops um, and there's a couple of theories around it, a couple of ways that people name it, but Eckhart Tolle, he calls it the pain body, mm. where like, we have, when we're feeling pain or negative emotion about something, mm. we get hooked on that because it, our body actually, for some reason, likes feeling that. And we then, it makes us then in a little loop, we'll feel something negative and then we start self-deprecating. And mm. that in some certain way, makes us our bodies feel like that's a good thing and then we do it more mm. and more so you, your pain body grows as he calls it mm. um and it basically like lures you into that and that's why it's so hard to snap yourself out of depression or negative thoughts because you're being sucked in i feel you like when when, when you're sad you like you kind of want to be sad yeah when you're depressed you kind of you don't really want um so people you don't want like, solutions. That's no, for no, sure. no, no, exactly. <laughs> no, you just want to revel in the in the darkness, and that kind of makes you feel 
good and it's also like an excuse to to take more drugs or drink like uh but like it's okay because i'm feeling sad i deserve this like i should it'll make me feel better you deep down you know it's not going to make you feel better but at least it'll make you feel different in a, in a way and then you can um kind of revel in the sadness even stronger yeah. <laughs> in a stronger way it's like when you're sad listening to sad music makes you happier yeah yeah which is i suppose that there, there must be some sort of like psychological thing that goes on there but there's another thing that um and I don't like I just heard the the concept of it, so I don't really know the theory at all. Mm. But this guy was referring to it as pendulums. So he's saying that everything has a pendulum that like swings you backwards and forwards. Mm. Um, and negative things in particular, they have big, strong pendulums. And as, and it, they basically suck you into this pendulum like that. Um, so he was using the example of like the news. Mm. When you watch the news, it's negative. Mm. Like the majority of it is negative. But people get so hooked on it. For sure. Because for some reason, we love hearing negative things, um, you know, like tragedies and about serial killers and all that type of stuff. I like think hate people, is like the strongest emotion or something. Yeah. And people love it. And he said that we're not we're not strong enough to resist these pendulums with these like mm. propaganda, basically, and like and, and, and these negative emotions. So you have to basically just avoid them. He's like, you can't basically... You can't watch the news and absorb the news and not get sucked into the negative, fear-mongered way of thinking. Mm. You have to just avoid it because we, we, can't, we can't control that. And it's the same with negative emotions. You have to basically learn to just accept them and know that they're there, but basically not put any 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 like thought into it really yeah just kind of acknowledge them but not like okay let's dive into this yeah. let's let's see what they're all about it's like a, it's like um uh it's like seeing um a jar of like spoiled say milk there's a jar of spoiled milk you can look at it you know it's spoiled you don't have to open it and smell it you i'm know? always so tempted to open it and smell it though yeah right <laughs> and then taste it when there's something really disgusting mm. i'm like Oh, I wonder what that tastes like. I used to work at a, the Disgusting Food Museum. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where's that? Um, they have a few places across the world, but this one was in Malmö. It was, uh, <gasps> it's cool. Um, bugs and sharks and guinea pigs, and we, we'd get to give little taste tests to, to people. Um, and that was really fun seeing their reactions. But part of the interview process was you have to eat every single one of these because if you can't eat them, then you can't be giving them out. And I'm like, fair, all right. And um, I had a good time with that. It was really That's fun. That's so cool. What's the, I'm going to go there. I've got a friend that lives in Malmö. Yeah, go for it. Go for it, absolutely. What? Um, what's the most disgusting thing? Um, well, I, I think I have a pretty broad palate. But um, did, are we talking disgusting in terms of the d disgusting taste or disgusting in terms of, like, gross appearancey type like it's, thought it's kind of like all of it um i think the, their general philosophy is uh, they want to show that like foods of other cultures are very different and the right. things that we uh, see as disgusting don't necessarily aren't necessarily disgusting okay like uh, the things we would uh, give out to customers would be like bugs uh like chewy bugs um crispy bugs um piss soaked shark was probably the most disgusting for me uh, honestly, um, I soaked like, in whose piss? It it's actually soaked in its own piss because like it swims and then the way it pisses, it it just kind of dissolves through the skin. 
So like it marinates itself in the piss, so you just kill it and eat it. Right. Hmm. But that tasted disgusting. Yeah, it didn't taste that good, to be honest. I like I like to think that I can eat uh, a lot of things, but that one was like, yeah, I think I'll avoid. <laughs> I think I'll avoid that. See, I, I think I could handle like bugs and crickets and grasshoppers mm. and those type of things that that you see in. What about a, a big beetle like this size? If it were crunchy, mm. I think I could handle it. Okay. The things that would gross me out would be like worms and slugs. Mm. That would really, really gross me uh, out. A slug? I have a, I have a severe fear of slugs. That's good to know. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Don't set them loose chasing me. <laughs> I think you'll outrun them, <laughs> to be honest. Well, my fear of slugs come from when I was like 10 or 11 or something. We, mm. went, we used to go camping in France and um, we went to some campsite and... You know those big family tents you get? They've got like a little kitchen area in the front and then they've got a few mm. different pods. Those are cool. Um, they are really cool. Yeah. Um, so like my family is a family of five. So then there was like my sisters in one pod, my parents in one pod, and then me were like sleeping in the kitchen bit. Mm. Um, and I woke up, it was like pissing with rain. I woke up next to the wall, like of the tent, and literally about five centimeters from my face were these two giant slugs on top of each other uh. humping i imagine they were humping but i couldn't see that much movement going along slowly i'm assuming either one of them was given the other one a piggyback or they were humping um and i woke up just that in front of my face and i already didn't like slugs because anyway, uh. like oh probably the same in sweden but in england like when you're a kid if it's raining and you're outside with bare feet mm. oh yeah there's probably slugs everywhere and so yeah. like just treading on slugs or snails in the garden it used to gross me out oh it's so nasty and so I woke up that and I remember just like screaming the tent down my parents coming out and then I was just absolutely traumatised Did how, how did the um uh, the eat slug scene in Harry Potter affect you um I can't remember that scene um it was uh Draco Malfoy he uh he goes um, he does a, a spell called eat slugs he goes eat slugs and he slings it at Harry Potter but Ron jumps in the way, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. slugs start crawling oh, out of his mouth. So yeah, it's nasty. Eat slugs is not a very good... Wait, did you watch it in Swedish with English subtitles? No, oh. no I'm not I'm not that Swedish. I was, I was raised in um, in Singapore, so, like, oh, Swedish yeah. experience would be summers. Um, oh, okay. Mm. But are you sure the spell was called Eat Slugs? It was called Eat Slugs. <laughs> That's it. Like, there's, like, Avadakadara and, like, Expliabus and then... Eat slugs. <laughs> yeah. I feel like J.K. Rowling's let herself down a little bit there. I, I think she's let herself down in a lot of ways, to be honest. Why? Uh, she's been saying a lot of uh, bigoted stuff on the social media, uh, specifically about trans people, actually, which is not very cool. Um, and then to combat the hate, she dove into it a lot more. Uh, she's written a whole book about this, like, villain... A, a pedophile villain who uh, dresses up as a woman to do the rapings, and it's just like it's a bit, it's a bit fucked up. J.K. Rowling, it's kind of fucked. Because I saw the comments that she made, and I didn't think that they were phobic. I mm. did. I just thought that they were like, they were a viewpoint that's like an acceptable viewpoint to have if that's what if that's the way that you think. Mm. Like if you're basing it kind of on logic, she was like, well, this is. A plus B equals C sort of a thing. Um, it's just very black and white. Humans it is very black, and, black white. and white. It is very black and white, but it's it, that's what I mean, that if you're a, a relatively traditional older person, mm. I think it's okay to have a black and white view. It's like, 
the humans aren't black and white and things are less black and white now, but it doesn't mean that the black and white view is wrong. If mm. that's the way that if that's the way that you feel, it's like it's wrong to be it's wrong to be unkind to people, it's wrong to discriminate against people, but mm. to feel a certain way, um to to believe a certain thing is not wrong, in my mm. opinion. But using the platform, the huge platform you have to um, kind of keep that narrative going, to keep that um, mindset in place does harm like a lot of people, um, which is kind of interesting because uh, a lot of queer people did follow like J.K. Rowling and, and they saw themselves in her literature and uh, now they feel a lot, very distanced uh, from it, unfortunately. I never, I've never actually read the books. Have you done that? I've read half of, no, not half, like a quarter of the Phoenix book. Mm. Um, but then I got bored. I think that's when I stopped reading books. I used to read a lot of books, and then like at nine, I stopped. Yeah, that's the same as me. I stopped basically when I started drinking, which was very. Yeah. I started drinking when I was like eleven or twelve. Damn. And after that, I just stopped reading. I stopped reading probably when I was like 13, but I used to read two or three hours a day mm. and then I stopped and then I only started again mm. like a few years ago. And I think that's probably my biggest regret out of everything was stopping reading. Do you still, do you read nowadays? Yeah, I read now. I read like, that's sweet. I read nonfiction during the day and then mm. I read fiction or autobiographies at night. Mm. So I have like the, the two. So I read two books each day. Damn. Not two whole books. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no, oh shit. No, 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 like, not some, like, savant. <laughs> I have an actual life as well. I've got other stuff to do. Yeah. I'm not saying the savants don't have lives. I'm saying that I've, I would like to read a book a day. That'd be cool. But that's a job, basically. That's, like, a full-time job. Or you have mm. to be well fast at reading. My, my dad, he reads a book in, like, two days while listening to the radio while, like, working as well. He's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's mental. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I just like, it's rare that I get so hooked on a book that I don't want to put it down, but it doesn't help. I think if I were reading like, because I read the nonfiction during the day mm. and that's obviously not as riveting mm. as like a fiction or an autobiography. Like right now I'm reading Richard Branson's autobiography, which I'm absolutely loving, mm. but I'm reading that at night before I go to bed. So like I get like five or ten pages in and I'm like, I'm so tired. But that's good, right? Instead of like scrolling on your phone. Oh yeah, I get off my phone like an hour before bed. Nice. Always. Better for your sleep. Way better for your sleep. <laughs> yeah. um, but then obviously like the nonfiction during the day. But if, if I was doing that during the day, like sometimes when I go traveling, like I quite like long traveling journeys because it's like mm. guilt-free time to mm. just read and like write and listen to podcasts and stuff. Cause That's there's so true. Nothing else I can be doing really on a plane. Well, I suppose I could be doing something else on a plane. But <laughs> you, like... you could uh, you could jog. I, f I feel like airports are one of the only places as an adult besides gyms where you can run in society acceptably. Like you see people running now. <laughs> just and... go there in my sports gear. Like, <laughs> sorry, just late for a train, late for a plane. Just like, just like running backwards and forwards. Yeah, oh, oh. you just gotta keep saying, "I'm late, I'm late." Just start doing some burpees in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They called my name. I gotta do burpees. <laughs> I'm late, late, lateness is ten burpees extra. <laughs> I gotta punish myself if I miss a flight. That's a, oh, I guess I gotta stay and do more burpees. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually that would be quite a good sketch. Actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll go to the airport. Yeah, I'll volunteer myself to dress up in full sports gear. Awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That'd be so fun. People would just be so confused. I love I love when people uh, come with uh, sketch ideas to me. That shit's uh, that shit's dope. Um, yeah, a lot of people are like are wondering like how do I get into the sketches? And it's literally come come to me with an idea and we'll do it. We'll fucking we'll just do it. Yeah, I was a big fan of the um of the questions game and the um those little funny mini games like that that mm. we did there. That, that was, was fun. Fun. Yeah, that was good. We should so I like something I like something that makes you think. You know, mm. I think good comedy comes out of that as well. Um, Say that again without using the letter C. I think that good, funny things arrive from that. Nice. <laughs> you are very good at the game. Like you, you seem to be able to think very quickly on the spot and not use the letter C, or any letter. Yeah. So that just for anyone listening, that was the game. <laughs> that was one of the games. <laughs> yeah. The other games is where you're just speaking questions. Um, which I'm also a big fan of that. They do that on Whose Line Is It Anyway, but... Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. I nice. think that's where it, like... I don't know if they invented it, but it's like a classic comedy improv game. It's so good. Um, so good. But that girl that I was with, she was like... She was probably the best one that I've ever gone against. Mm. Cause oh, Nicolette? Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was really good at that. She's talented. However... Shout out to Nicolette Sweeney. Shout out. She was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's very good. Um... So tell me about, because you've moved around loads of different places, haven't you? Mm. Um, and lived in many different societies. Yes. How has that shaped your life? And where do you consider yourself to be from? Um, I don't really consider myself to be from anywhere because I don't really feel like a Swede. Um, but I'm not Singaporean either. Wait, wait, wait. Just, just, to, just to confirm. Mm. You don't feel like the Swede is in the nationality or the vegetable? What is the Swede there's, vegetable? There's a vegetable called a Swede. No way. Yeah. Oh my God. That's what it's called in English, anyway. I guess I did feel it's a bit like, like that. It's a, bit like, a little bit like a squash. Shit. Uh, yeah. No, I probably would not um, identify as that. Unless it's like cooked in like butter and salt, maybe some extra peppers, then it could be pretty sweet. What okay, I'm trying so you to don't say feel like the vegetable or the nationality? No, unfortunately. Okay. Neither of them. Or Singaporean, or I was uh, did live in Czech Republic for the first four years of my life, but... Apparently, I did speak Czech fluently, but I don't now. I haven't in a very long time, and I don't remember it either. Um, but I feel like I feel like living in these different cultures, especially Singapore, because it was so uh, multicultural, that um, it gave me a very a very broad understanding of the world. Um, it's, it's hard for me uh, sometimes to see someone to meet someone who. Um, is very like uh, no, it's it is this way. It is definitely this way. Um, when so many different people believe in so many different things, like how do we know which cultural way is the best way? How do we know which ideology is the best? Um, I think the best we can do is to just do whatever we want as long as it doesn't really hurt anyone else. It uh, doesn't get in the way of anyone else, and it fulfills us. Then I think that's. Probably the takeaway I've gotten, the the best summary I can get from um, this experience, I think. Interesting. Um, and how do we go about doing things without hurting other people? Um, well, you got to be very aware of, uh, of yourself and what you do. Um, I like to dive into creative stuff. 
I think that is one of the most beautiful things about being a human. Um, you said earlier that I was a human, and that is correct. That is correct. Uh, and Interesting fact, just to stop you there. Mm. I've been saying that now for 18 episodes, and I was expecting at some point in the future, if I carried on doing this for a while, mm. to um, eventually be talking to an AI. And then I could say, you are human. And then if it would lie to me, then <clears throat> that's it. I know that then we're fucked if the AI is lying about being a human. And if it doesn't lie, then it's like broken the chain of being that. But now I have a cyborg coming on. You do? Yeah. When? Who? Three weeks. A cyborg? A cyborg, yeah. An AI? No, or... uh, the first legally recognized cyborg. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, so... How are they legally recognized? Well, he's he's got an antennae that sticks out of his head, out of his skull like that, and it picks up, like, different signals, and it converts colors into, into signals, like little brain signals, and he's got um, a ball that orbits his head, like, like a little metal ball that heats up and it tells him the time of day. He's got an actual Bluetooth, which there... Which You're he, kidding. No, which he can ascend to someone else who's got this, also got this Bluetooth, and they can bite on it, and it sends a signal, and they can communicate in Morse code. What the fuck? That's Amongst other things. That's so cool. And he's actually a recognized cyborg. Holy shit. And, like, they weren't going to give him a passport. I think part of the reason is because they weren't going to give him a passport because he had an, a thingy coming out of his head, and they said they couldn't have that for the passport. Mm. But then he got himself recognized as a cyborg. And maybe that's why he got recognized as a cyborg, so he could then get that. Because anyway, they eventually allowed him mm. to get his thing done because it's, like, attached to his skull. So he can't... Yeah. So anyway, oh, sorry to cut you in there, but mm. you are a human... Um, now it, for now, yes. For now, uh, now that I know about this, though, holy shit! There's loads of loads of, and other people have got like little chips in their hands and stuff. Like, mm. They were doing that in Sweden, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did an experiment on that. Um, uh, we actually just did a little sketch on um, an AI brain chip uh, that we're going to release on YouTube pretty soon, hopefully today. Um, uh, got a few trailers of it on the Comedy Clubhouse's Instagram, the Comedy Clubhouse. BCN is the their Instagram, but um, follow it. Yes, Very do it, cool. please. It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, Probably the coolest <laughs> page I've ever seen. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. You can be the um, millionth follower in a few years. Probably, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be nice if it uh, went faster though. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what I, what I was saying was, um, I think I think creativity is one of the most beautiful things about humanity. It's something that we can. It brings us away from the physical space uh, into a, a more like. Well, into something beyond that, right? And then we bring that back into the physical space. It's mm -hmm. fucking cool. It's fucking cool. Um, so that's something you could do. Um, if you're looking for like a passion or a hobby, if anyone's listening. Um, to, to do the things that you want to do without getting in people's ways, uh, without hurting other people. Um, acknowledging if someone tells you off, if someone says that you've, uh, you've um, hurt them in some way, and reflecting on that and seeing if you can work on it or if it, or if it means anything to you. Um, I think it's pretty abstract, to be honest, now that I'm talking about it out loud. What? Because, like, I, I think of it in the sense of hurting no one is extremely difficult. 
Because, like, for example, I could open up a comedy clubhouse. Mm. <laughs> a I could open club. up a comedy clubhouse, which, on the face of things, is a great thing. You know, I could try and mm. run it as honestly as possible. And I could do really well. Are you talking about Are you talking about a comedy club or actually like taking the name as well? <laughs> no, no, sorry, yeah, a comedy club. <laughs> um, I could open that up, and I could do really well at that, and do it like mm. ethically and everything. Mm. But I could do so well that it shuts down this whole place. That's true. That is true. You know, or like, for example, like Richard Branson, he has mm. Virgin Airlines. Virgin mm. Airlines is obviously really cool because you can travel in a nice way to nice places and get treated nicely and all that. Mm. But airplanes damage things. That's true. So it's like, I think that not damaging anyone or anything, you can also like unwillingly damage people with the words that you say because you just don't know. That's but those, person, those people can also be mentally damaged themselves to the point where they're taking, they're suffering pain from things that mm. you've said when in reality... They, sh they don't need to be taking pain because you're not trying to upset them. You know, they could take it the wrong way or anything like that. So I think mm. that going around trying not to hurt anyone is futile. I am Swedish. <laughs> this is what we do. True, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's not It's not that uh, black and white, actually. Um, it's really hard because I tried to think about this before and it's like you basically can't do anything. Like when I went vegan, I was like, I, d I didn't want to, I felt guilty about harming animals and i was mm. like okay i'll stop that that's fine and then i was like okay well if i'm gonna do this well first of all i stopped eating meat and then i was like okay that's stupid then if i'm gonna not eat meat how mm. can i drink milk like that's basically the same thing and i was like so stop that and then after that i was like okay that's fine but then what about something like honey and mm. i never i didn't make my mind up on honey but then i was like okay now what about textiles like they're all made in sweatshops. I can't buy any of those things. Now, mm. what about leather? I can't use that. Like, what about this? Like, what about beauty products? Not that I use those. What about like toothpaste? What about this, that? And I was like, then I just got so depressed because I was like, you literally, anything that's a, co a good cost mm. has suffering attached to it. Yeah. You know, if you buy like local, organic, like, really well-produced things they're going to be really expensive mm. and and that's it you know and if you can go about buying those things you've got enough cash to do that that's great and you can feel really happy with yourselves but like 99% of people don't have the cash to be like buying really great quality food and everything it's true it's true and then you hear things like oh this organic green tea from China and I'm like I don't believe for a second that they have anything organic coming out of China <laughs> no way and like then you watch something like Sea Spiracy and it's like dolphin friendly tuna. And then they like you realize that these people are just paying for labels to put on their stuff. Someone's just uh, they're just going somewhere and just authorizing because how the hell can you have dolphin friendly tuna? You know, you, w they're supposed to be fishing in certain areas where there's no dolphins. But how the hell did they know that? It's the sea. What is what is dolphin friendly? What is that? Dolphin friendly is supposed to be like. Going to areas where there's not dolphins to fish. Oh, okay. um, And also using specific types of nets, mm. which I can't see how would work, seeing as a tuna is smaller than a dolphin. Yeah, right? So how would you get a net that can catch tuna but not dolphin? Dolphin-shaped holes. Yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> exactly. True, true. Dolphin-shaped holes. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. So then I was just like, <sighs> right. Basically, everything you see is a lie. Everything Kinda. has just got loads of suffering. If you buy anything cheap, then it's basically because other people have suffered or animals have died or, 
you effectively lose your client by anything. And then I was like, right. Then I'd like went around doing that for ages. And then at the end of it, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Let me just try and do the best mm. I can. I started eating meat again. I was like, right, I'll eat a little bit of meat and I'll have, you know, keep on eating loads of like the vegetables and the vegan type stuff I do. Mm. That was another thing with the vegan. Sorry, there's a big rant. <laughs> another thing with the vegan thing, I was like, you know, there's all these vegan alternative meats mm. and stuff. But I'm like, then you're just eating processed shit. And like processed stuff's even worse than everything else. What do you think of a uh, lab grown meat? Lab grown meat is what I'm holding out for. That shit's gonna be dope. That shit is gonna oh, be man. so dope. I can't wait for it to like be uh, at a lower price than butchered meat. That's gonna change the fucking world. I swear. I do. I do honestly think that maybe not ten, but twenty years down the line, we won't be killing meat in animals. And finally, we'll uh, be able to. Hopefully, our our descendants will look back at us and be like, "What the fuck? They were killing all." That's what that? I think. Like, They're factory like... producing animals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, if we were out and about hunting animals in a natural environment and then cooking mm. the meat and them and using them all, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it, for sure. It, it, it for is sure. just like That's the, the factory way. producing them is just absurd. It's absurd. Like, it's just like it makes us come out as monsters. It makes us like, what the fuck? It's weird. Yeah. Like, so you weird. Look at, like I was reading this book, Eating Animals, and it was this guy who was about, I think he was... He was in his late 20s anyway, mm. coming up to 13. He had a kid mm. or his wife was pregnant or whatever. And he basically wanted to figure out, like, how do I feed my kid? Like, what do, what diet is good for them? Do I make them give them a vegan diet? Do I give them a meat one? Mm. And I think at the time, I can't remember if he was meat, if he was vegetarian or not at the time. But he was trying to come at it unbiased, just be like, look, I want to give my child the best chance. Mm. So he was like going around America trying to find all these different like where they're where they're growing all the where they're farming all the meat and all that stuff and trying to find if anything's actually ethical and free range mm. and i think it was 95 maybe 99 percent of all chicken it comes from factory farms oh fuck. and they have like most of them have the chicken has a space that is the equivalent to an a4 size a piece of a4 piece of paper and they're just like stacked in cages, just like shitting down on each other. Oh, God. Um, and all this stuff and like mm. pumped full of hormones. And he said the chickens in the wild used to live like more than 10 years. And now they live like two because <laughs> they've been like genetically modified to grow really fat really quickly. Yeah, that's so fucked um, up. And, like, and, so the, and then up. the laying ones have, grow, have, have um, been modified to then lay really quickly and lay loads. So they, mm. he said that they can't even walk most of them because they're so deformed. Um, and then they like peck each other to death when they can. And, and I was just like, this is disgusting. And he said that was most of it. And then he's like all these, these massive centers as well that they don't have proper, they end up like polluting all the rivers nearby because they've got so much slurry, like mm. the, the feces and stuff coming that they don't, they, there was one of them in particular that was like basically poisoned the whole of this river. All the animals in the river died because it was it ended up being cheaper for them to poison the river and pay the fines than it were would be for them to basically like dispose of all this waste. Oh my god! I think, like, just I think like stuff like that. And I'm just like, what? That's probably hell? like the biggest solution: fines and regulations on shit like that. Because like, if you just let that shit roam free, like, it just seems like if you let um, companies or humans, I guess, collective humans, get away with stuff, they will try to get away yeah, with it. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like the only way. Yeah, so then that 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 depressed me, and so yeah. now I'm just how like, did you get out of that? Like, because you can you can think like that about everything forever, right? So how did you get out of that thinking? I just realized, like, 
I tend to be a person of extremes. Mm. So I'll go from one extreme of like drinking loads, taking loads of drugs, doing everything to doing nothing. Mm. Then I'll be like someone who eats loads of meat and doesn't like take any consideration into that to someone who is like totally obsessed with the opposite of that. Mm. And I think that what I found in the past year or two is that I'm trying to find balance. Mm. Don't be on either side. When Even if there's any sort of like controversy or political thing that comes up, explore both extremes, mm. but they're probably wrong. Both extreme is probably yeah. wrong. Yeah. It's probably somewhere in the middle of the two of them. I like so to it's follow good to understand them. good to understand both sides. Mm. And I tend to like live I tend to like live the experience of a person on one side and then live the experience of a person on the other side. So you get to know. So I get to know, but I, mm. I do it sort of like sort of naturally, I suppose. But it's like I kind of like become that person for a while and then I change and then I become the other person for a while. Mm. And then now I'm like, okay, now I've experienced both those sides. Let's try find somewhere in the middle. So somewhere in the middle is like trying to be conscious of what I'm doing, trying to be grateful, understanding that the meat that is produced now is pretty gross and horrible, mm. but also just accepting that and knowing that really I can't do anything about that. You know, like except I could go talk around, about it, except talk about mm. it. And hope that things are changing, which I think they are a bit. It seems like it. It seems like it, at least. You know, and like if you get the choice to try and buy decent meat or whatever, then buy mm. it. <clears throat> but ultimately, at a supermarket, you're probably not going to get decent meat. No. Um, no. And then, like, being vegan was very stressful and unpleasant. Mm. Um, and you end up just like... Unless you're going to dedicate your life to cooking yourself meals all day, or unless you don't like, if you don't eat very much food, mm. then it's fine. But it's like, I do a lot of exercise. I'm large and mm. I eat a lot. And trying to fill yourself up with beans yeah. is like, is unpleasant. I had stomach problems basically the whole time. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. I mean, our bodies are literally built to process meats and vegetables like yeah. both of them so it, it does get it does i feel like it does put strain on your body and it is difficult it puts loads of strain and i was like yeah i was pretty strict for like three years and i also stopped gluten i stopped sugar i stopped caffeine for like two Ooh. years how is stopping sugar stopping sugar makes the biggest difference out of everything 100 mm. percent. Mm. like sugar totally messes me up and i think that sugar is when I have little tiny bits of sugar nowadays, mm. that is when I experience racing thoughts coming back and I experience brain fog, which Shit. I rarely ever get. I don't want brain fog. Is yeah. that another thing I can stop and get even clearer? Because that would be nice. Yeah, I rarely ever have brain fog now. And now mm. when I have bits of gluten or bits of sugar, I get brain fog. Shit. And that's why, that's the reason why I stopped them in the first place. Um, plus when I have sugar... All I want to do then is eat all day. Um, whereas I can control that a bit more when I don't have sugar. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I've been doing um, um, intermittent fasting for like oh, a month yeah. now. And so I start the day with, in, instead of like adding some sugar and um, milk, I just drink it black. Mm. Which is kind of like, eh, it's not the tastiest, <laughs> to be honest. But it has... Now that you mention it, like, uh, I've kind of stopped now. Um, but yesterday I, I added sugar again. To coffee. And, just to clarify. Yeah, to thought. coffee, to coffee. <laughs> and I was snacking the whole day. I got some soda and it's like, I've been going a month without it feeling completely fine. But suddenly today, I mean, yesterday, 
I felt this compulsion to keep eating and keep snacking and keep it was it was strange. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like when you strip back all the different things, then you start really noticing how things affect you. Mm. Like I wasn't having anything. I was having basically nothing because if you don't have gluten, you don't have sugar, mm. then it basically means that you can't have anything processed. So I was having virtually nothing processed for like two years. Meant I was basically cooking or eating out for everything. Um mm. And only you can eat, only really eat out in certain places or certain things. Most of the time, I'd be out in Indian, like curry. Mm. So then, when you do have something processed, or you do have sugar, or you do have gluten, or you do have any of these things, you notice instantly that something's different. Because when you're not having foods that are like affecting your brain, mm. you're just kind of like at a baseline all the time, um, and it's pretty mental. It's pretty mental because then I'm like, now if I was to eat like. If I'd eat like a pack of sweets or something like that, I'd feel mm. absolute. I'd feel sick. I'd feel absolutely disgusting. Like I'd have mm. a headache. I'd feel sick. I'd feel anxious. I'd feel sweaty. Oh, I did feel very greasy yesterday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've been feeling yeah, I've been feeling good, and then yesterday I felt greasy. So now, now that's why I'm like back on drinking black coffee. Now I'm yeah, like that yeah. didn't feel good. I'm just gonna keep doing what made me feel good, even though like. I'm so... Oh, God, I love snacks. <laughs> I love snacking as well. I used to eat so many sweets. Yeah. And I like... Now I just I don't eat them at all. I'm like... Now when I have them, I'm I'm a bit grossed out, mm. which is a good thing. I'm it really is, happy it is. about that. A, that. That is a good mindset, though. Like the things that um, we've been so obsessed with for so long, uh, changing our perspective of them and seeing them as gross is probably very healthy to yeah. be honest when i stopped eating meat i said i started thinking when i first had that again i was i felt it was, it was pretty gross mm. but now i'm kind of used to it again i still think it's a little bit gross and but i'm just kind of like i'm just going with the flow now and i'm just trying to be like nice <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to be nice and i'm just trying to like do what i can yeah and but like not obsess over it because Ultimately, when you start obsessing over these type of things, you just become depressed. And then when you're depressed, you're no use to anyone around you. It's true. Or yourself. It's true. So it's like if you have to if you have to eat a bit of meat to not make yourself feel depressed mm. and be able to like live your life in a positive way overall, just take the plunge. Just do it. <laughs> and if you need to like have some coffee to get you through the day or whatever like that for a short time for a short time period, just do. Mm. Do what you need to do to keep yourself in a good frame of mind, basically. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then you can be positive and then you can be a good force in the world. That's kind of like the conclusion I came to. Because I wrote this big article about, I wrote it in two parts and I need to re write the third about like sure. veganism. Um, and like I started that at the beginning. Mm. And like then there was, I, and then I waited and I wrote like, the second part like a year later. And now I can probably write the final part with what I just said there. Just do what you can, basically. Honestly, yeah. Honestly, just yeah. Just do what you can. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think, I think, yeah, you can easily go into extremes. I'm also a person that likes to, to do that. But the real solution is to just find a healthy, a healthy balance of stuff. Like, you don't need to stop eating meat forever. Just, like, cut down on it, probably. Cut down on uh, a few things. Cut down on the snacks. Um, you don't just have to binge snacks all day every day that shit's uh not good for your teeth apparently chips aren't good for your teeth what yeah chips like ridiculous salt apparently because it also pisses me off a little bit like the 
the environment. Sorry, this is probably just me ranting. Today. <laughs> um, I haven't done. I haven't done this for a few months. I need to rant. Um, <laughs> you know, you're giving me information in my head to to consider to take home to live with to let fester in a good way. Fester. Um, but then it, it's also pissing me off, like the kind of like environmental debate. It's like you are an evil person if you eat meat because meat mm. is damages the environment. I'm like, we're not. If you eat nothing but meat, and you like, even every day, if you eat nothing but meat, mm. you are not damaging the environment. It is up to the people that produce things exactly. and the governments to control how things are produced in a way that is not damaging. Mm. The average person, like in the old days, everybody would have had, well, people who had some money would have had access to cows, to stuff, and they'd have been able to start eating. You know, like if if you were to kill a cow and then freeze mm. the meat of it, mm. you'd last ages with all the meat in there for one person. For sure, absolutely. And, it's like, <clears throat> and so it's like, say there's 8 billion cows on the planet then, it's like mm. one per person per year or whatever, or even if it's five per person per year, it's like, that is not destroying the world. It's mm. just not. Mm. It's like regenerative farming is, is what's needed. Mm. It's like monoculture needs to get rid of. The way that things are just dumped in the oceans mm. needs to get rid of. Stop polluting the rivers with the slurry from farming and stuff. Find better ways of farming. Like, they're Definitely. the solutions. Everybody, okay, yeah, we need to stop using so much plastic, but we need to be stopping sold so much plastic. Exactly, that's it's the like, thing. You like... can't expect individual consumers. People just, most people do what they need to do to survive because they've got way bigger things on their plate no, definitely. in their life, like raising their children or feeding their families or something. They can't be out there thinking, like you do not, you do not have the capacity. It's too much to have to think like, I can't buy this because it's plastic or I can't buy this because it was made like across the globe. I like, I have to like, constantly think of these things when you are thinking of everything else in your life that should be taking priority actually yeah but that's what that's what it feels like that's what um a lot of these um bigger corporations want they want to put the blame on individuals instead so they don't have to really do anything about it so that people don't rise up together and are like hey stop that no, no, it's it's all about it's all about like, hey, why aren't you doing the thing that I'm doing? Why aren't you being environmentally conscious? It's like for here in Barcelona, you're supposed to recycle and there's recycling bins, mm. but they're not recycled. So they're it's not. like then they just pour them in the same thing. And then like, like I saw a thing before about recycling, they all get sent because unless 100 percent of the people are putting things in the right bin, mm. they have to take them to get sorted anyway. Mm. So it's like all the stuff basically just gets poured in a big thing. They suck out the metal with magnets and then they melt stuff off at different temperatures. It's like, and then the waste, they usually, I don't know if they still do it, but they were shipping that all off to Liberia. So it's like, it's just, it was just a big farce. And it's like, the only thing they really care about is the metal because that can, that can be easily recycled. Mm. Like only some plastic can be recycled. So it's like, if, you, if people, unless people are doing everything 100% accurately, how the hell are they going to sort between it? Mm. I think that most of the time it's just bullshit. And it's like, how, how are you supposed to do it? Well, Sweden does it pretty well. I don't really know the exact specifics of how they do it, but um, they're doing they're doing pretty well. I think they um, uh, this was a while ago I read this, but it was either they uh, they have to kind of import more trash into the country to recycle it um, 
because we make energy out of it as well. Oh, yeah. It's really again. nice. It was really good. Uh, I used to live in um, Emil, the top of uh, Sweden. I, I studied there for a little bit. And you'd constantly see these trucks full of food waste uh, mm-hmm. going around, just being converted into energy, which is really fucking cool. They smelled really bad, but good for the environment, I guess. Yeah, and they're, they're the little solutions that we need. It's like, it made me understand... You know, like I've seen them a few times. I haven't seen them for a while, actually, but they used to stand mm. out like round the corner there and mm. um, the the vegans there that had the screens on with animals being killed and all that. And then they'd be like shouting at people. Uh, and I'm like, this is not a good advertising campaign. No, it's really not. Um, it's really not. Because it's like you're just shouting at people and telling them how awful they are, basically. It gets people talking. For it does sure. get people talking, but it also makes people think, I don't want to be part of that group. Yeah. Because if I do this, am I going to be one of those people then in that like... People want to join a crew because they're like, oh, that's a cool crew. Yeah, yeah, um, But then it kind of made me understand that, like, these people are just, like, suffering because they've read into how shit things are. And then they're, like, so upset about it all that they're, like, angry and taking out on the world. And they're protesting out taking on the Taking it out on the wrong people. Taking like, it out on the wrong people, potentially, mm. yeah. But it's, like, they're, they're so upset about things. Mm. They're just, they're feeling compassion. And that's then turning the wrong way. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, God, like, then I'm like, right, let's just, after a while of like digging into all this, like how bad everything is, then I just started looking at how good things were. And that's mm. much nicer. Like all the cool right? stuff that's coming up. Yeah. And like all of the amazing new innovations that are coming. And I read this book, Green Giants, which like, which helped me, um, help me have faith again in mm. some corporations. So the concept of Green Giants, it follows like eight different companies, which are Whole Foods, Natura, um, Nike, um, GE, mm. and a few others. Um, and basically it follows their, oh, and um, what they call Chipotle, the people that do like beef. Anyway, yeah. it follows them. They're called Green Giants because they earn over a billion dollars in revenue from sustainable practices nike does nike does because they created this new type of shoe which is like it's woven it's called flyknit technology Mm. um so instead of having like you know a shoe i'll put my shoe up here um sponsor me adidas um you can put your shoe uh, i don't i think this is a sponsor me off-brand shoe company um, so yeah, it's like instead of having a shoe like that with like loads of different pieces of fabric that they stick together, mm. they have um, they just basically create this technology where they weave like basically just like almost like wool. They weave the mm. whole shoe, so it uses way less waste. It makes the shoe like ridiculously light. Like I've got one of them from a charity, no, from uh, from secondhand market for like a tenner, and it's like you barely feel like you're even wearing shoes. Awesome, because they're so light, but they're sports shoes. Are they so the like ones that are like stretchy and just kind of slide your foot into it? They are sort of stretchy, mm. but they kind of look like they've been knitted a little bit. That's um, cool. That's cool. So that's their new. So that's their new technology, anyway. <clears throat> and so then, the the whole point of it was that they have redesigned the way that you do something mm. and created a new technology. I like that a which lot. Which actually, like, which actually has a huge 
benefit because you're reducing loads of stuff, um, re reducing loads of waste. You're making it lighter. You're making it at a decent price. Mm. And they've then been able to sell that technology then to other companies who are doing the same thing now. Well, so, that's fucking great. So that's the whole point. It's like redesigning the way that you do something, not just being like greenwashing where we're like, Oh, I'm I'm planting some trees with my company now to offset all the bad things I do. Yeah, um, right. Which is like greenwashing. I'm I'm beating I'm still beating people up, but like <laughs> at least I'm like giving some money to the homeless people. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that then then there was like loads of other examples of where they've done like totally new revolutionary things. Um, so that then made me um, have a little bit more faith, mm. and I was like, okay. Companies, yeah, these giant companies, they are doing some bad stuff because it's very mm. difficult to like in a modern world to run a billion dollar company and not damage anyone, basically. It's very difficult. Yeah, no, for sure. And you have to like often when you're sourcing materials and stuff, you have to do deals with countries where conditions are terrible. But then I think it was Nike as well. They got done for um for buying stuff from sweatshops, basically, which is what mm. everyone was doing. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. there were people protesting against them. And then they were buying stuff from this shop, this place in Bangladesh. And then there was like a, the, the place was so badly built that it collapsed and killed loads of people within it. Um, so they got in loads of shit for that. And then they basically set up this um, like commission mm. where they, any factory that works with them has to adhere to all these principles and like safety standards and all that. So that they basically lead the way in saying, look, if you want to work with us, which you obviously do, because um, we're Nike, yeah, and you have to do all these things. So they actually then like, raise the standard of stuff. So it's like they obviously have the, the positive and yeah. the negative. And then there's all these other companies doing those things. I'm like, but mm. obviously it's only ever the negative that gets reported. So everyone just hates on all the big companies. I'm like, they are, there is positive and negative in everything, mm. and they're trying to at least do good things. And the whole point of the book was that nowadays you can actually make more money than you would have done by doing sustainable things because people like that and that they want great. that. That is great. That is great Which news. is a great thing. Yeah. And I think that this could usher in like the new wave of like social capitalism where it's like profit is not the only marker of success. Mm. Like your balance sheet is not the only marker of success. Your, your marker of success and reward in some sense comes from the social good that you do with mm. your company and it's like finding that balance there between socialism and capitalism somewhere in the you middle come to, come to sweden someday yeah social <laughs> check capitalism. it out check it out yeah yeah that is it is pretty capitalistic but i think um sweden's very sweden i think is more capitalistic than the united kingdom yeah it scores i think it scores higher um, I've, I think I've read that, well, I've just like read comments on Reddit that said like uh, Sweden kind of fetishizes America in a way. And um, I've definitely, um, I've definitely convinced a few people in Sweden that I'm American myself just because I have <laughs> the accent. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I stopped doing it a few years ago because uh, someone was like, you're just lying to people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I am just no. lying to people. No, that's not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, they do, they do, uh, do some, uh, some of that capitalism for sure. But I do like, uh, a few structures they have, like the free healthcare that we also have here in Spain, uh, could do it better, honestly. Um, I think it's epic here, but then I've not experienced, um, Sweden's. They could do it better, better there. Uh, oh, better in Sweden. You mean? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. for sure. Um, it can always be improved. Um, 
And then there's like, you never really have to worry about um, too much because there's so many social safety nets. Like uh, if you can't get a job, you could go to uh, this this bureau um, and they will do their, they say their best to get you a job. But if they don't, then you get benefits that you could like go on that. Um, and that's actually a bit of a problem in Sweden at the moment. People who uh, skirt the uh, jobs don't do jobs and just like live off of benefits. Mm. But um, that is very much like a small amount uh, compared to um, the people who actually need the benefits and actually do make use of them. Yeah. So some people will obviously be taking advantage of a system like that. But I, I think it's still worth it to uh, keep the people who actually need help like that um, yeah. well above the water and not fucking drowning like they are in a lot of countries yeah that'd be really cool and i think um when my friend moved to mal how do you say it malmo 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 mm. um when he moved to malmo he he received a welcome pack yeah with um like from the council or the government or whatever it is mm. like a welcome pack to the city with like i think it had some like coupons i got one of those too yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i was like what it's like every city you move to in sweden because i jumped around sweden like you get one like every city you go to yeah like little <laughs> free discount codes and yeah. stuff i was like that is so cool it's really nice it's really nice it made you feel so welcome well uh, I'll i'll make you feel a little bit more welcome right now because I have a little something for you from Malmö, oh. from from the streets of Malmö. Uh, I found this on the road, and it's so funny because um, Connor gave me this. It's a little mosquito mosquito sticker. There it is, right there. And this is for my angry mosquito poem. This if you haven't a, heard it, go little, check out little, angry mosquito. Falafel um, guy for you. Ah. Oh. It's a sticker. It's a sticker. Oh, yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, Sweden. How do you know it's from Malma? Because I found it on the streets of Malma. Oh, you found it there. Yeah, I yeah, you yeah. found it today. No, 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 no. Oh, and uh, Malma cool. is very, uh, or very known for um, stickers, especially dropping since, stickers on the street. Yeah, <laughs> we're putting stickers uh, anywhere really, <laughs> but so, so are a lot of cities. But uh, ever since like um, a lot of refugees started coming into into Sweden, uh, the cuisine has a uh, changed a little bit like falafel is now really big mm. um kebab pizzas are really Ooh. nice it's so fucking good um and it's like mixed together kind of like a chicken tikka masala is kind of a very unique english product um there are kind of things like that in sweden as well and this little sticker has a falafel guy on ah. it to represent sweden uh shout out sweden um uh, don't kick me out of the country you can't <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Don't kick me back into the country. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't. It's fucking boring over there. It's so boring. They keep banning shit. They, they close down nightclubs because it could be too dangerous. Possibly, maybe it's too dangerous. That's the problem with social capitalism. Mm. That is the problem that then you have people on the top that are like, that's the problem with concerning yourself loads by what? By harming people. That's It's true. That it's you're true. like, that, that, that's what you get. And then you end up like, you end up with just extreme situations because people are like, oh, well, this might harm someone. This could cause someone to fall over on the floor. Mm. This could call this. Cause hypothetically. This. Hypothetically, someone could hurt. Or we have to stop this because someone could find that offensive. Mm. Um, and then you're like, well, actually, what can we do? Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But doing, exactly. doing nothing could be harmful. Then you're like, oh god, we must all die. And it's like, where, where is the line? There is no, there is no line. The line keeps shifting back and forth, like forever, in so many different, in so many different areas, that 
it's just better to not really think about it and do whatever do whatever you want but probably keep in mind like that you're not actively trying to hurt someone is probably the better way to phrase it do what you want without actively trying to hurt someone unless it's martial arts unless it's martial arts but even then it's like self-defense you're not really trying to hurt them well you try i mean in jujitsu you're trying to make someone you're trying to hurt someone so much that they tap out uh, do you do jujitsu i used to yeah i should get into it we can we can have a little death match oh yeah that'd be be cool yeah it'd be really really fun but no now i started playing rugby again and I i don't think i could Maybe I could do one. I'm considering doing like one session of martial arts per week and then mm. one session of rugby. But then... That would be pretty, pretty cool. Be pretty cool. Have you ever thought of combining the two and having a martial arts rugby? Well, actually, on our training last week we did, and the week before we did sumo wrestling. Because we're doing oh, on the beach. So we did like... Because um, it's just like rugby is sort of wrestling, mm. but you're just running into people and then wrestling them. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's very similar in that sense. Um, but then we're just doing like some like strength training, so we're doing sumo wrestling, and that was really fun. Mm. Then I was like, we got to go to someone, and then, go, then you go ooh and bow in front of them. Very nice. I respect that. I it's do that every morning when I when I go and see my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> you bow to her. Yeah, every morning. Oh, I bow and I say namaste. That is fucking. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell my boyfriend to start doing that. Um, Alejandro, if you're listening to this, you better fucking do that otherwise um i will be upset and i will be comparing myself to your life forever <laughs> yeah. yeah it started off as a joke but now it's just becoming a daily routine that's so nice though namaste <laughs> do, does she say it back she says namaste back yeah sometimes very she nice. bows back very nice very nice but there's lots of little like traditions that i was thinking this yesterday there's a um there is at the end of Ramadan, or is it before? Anyway, sometime near Ramadan in the Muslim cam- calendar, mm. the, the Muslim Canada, the Muslim calendar <laughs> um, in Canada, um, <laughs> they have a thing. I think it's called zakat, where they have to give two point five percent of their yearly earnings to the needy, hmm. and so all Muslims do that, and well, all practicing Muslims, but. Mm. Um, I just think that's really cool. I it's like, like that a really a cool thing to do, and like you're supposed to give it. First of all, to the people closest to you, like your family, you know, an aunt mm. or an uncle who's in need. And then it can be um, like your friends. And then if not your friends, then it can be like your community. But mm. everybody gives 2.5% of their earnings. I think that's like a really cool tradition. For sure. Um, I really, I, I respect that. Yeah. It's not a tradition for them. It's like a, a law, I suppose, or just a rule that everyone yeah. does. I mean, in, in religion, there's like traditions are kind of laws in, in, their own, in their own way. And then there's like the Jews have Passover mm. where... You you have to like basically think of all the the things that you'd like to work on, mm. um, and then you have like other little rituals that go along. But it's like very kind of like self exploratory. Mm. That's process. pretty cool. There's like all these cool little like religious traditions. I'm thinking like let's make my own religion. Yeah, whack all these little traditions For together. Sure. Just and then just be like, just do all these cool little things. Yeah. And obviously, you get like there's the Hari Krishnas and the Buddhists and stuff. We've got loads of cool little ones about. Just like meditations and different things, like you can whack all the big, really cool little religion going on. I I actually have had a little little dream of creating a cult. Are are we doing this? Is it happening? We can't Um, call it cult live on air. But if we call it a cult, I mean that would be self-aware. It'd be kind of like comedic in its own right. True. Yeah, people would be like, because I feel like the world is going a lot more towards um. You know, like the the cult of personality around Donald Trump, for example, um, like blatantly putting out um, ideologies that 
have been somewhat like hidden before have been like oh you don't really talk about that but if we just keep going with that we we just we just make it put it all out into the open this is a cult we are literally trying to brainwash you people would be like oh, that's hilarious all right do it, <laughs> do it. <laughs> like oh that's hilarious i bet i can't be brainwashed like, oh. <laughs> come and find out i've studied brainwashing for 20 years so i'm really good at it <laughs> and then we just turn out to be really really cool and they they they're like all right i want to hang out with these people yeah but then they might be really disappointed because maybe they wanted maybe. to be brainwashed they didn't want cool. Yeah. If they wanted cool people, they would have gone to um, Amsterdam. No, they would have gone to see Boyzone perform. See what? Boyzone. Boyzone. Yeah, I've never heard of Boyzone before. Oh, they're like a famous boy band back yes. in like the nineties. That does sound pretty cool. Yeah. Damn, was Justin Timberlake a part of that one too? No, I don't think so. Uh, oh well. What do you mean, too? What, was he part of another one? Uh, NSYNC, I think, oh. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys pretty cool as well. Pretty cool. Whatever happened to boy bands? I feel like the last one was One Direction, and then it sort of just fizzled out. Now we don't have any cool boy bands anymore. you got to go to Korea or Japan for that kind of stuff. Yeah, Korea's got the K-pop boy yeah, bands. For sure. They kind of creep me out a little bit. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> is it because like, it's like sometimes they have like 20 people and it's like... Sometimes, but they're all just kind of like so like pretty that mm. I'm like, are these humans or are they people? Yeah, Are they dude, humans or are they robots? I, I just saw um, the Women's uh, World Cup. Um, shout out Women's World Cup. Shout out, shout out women. For what? Uh, shout out... World Cup. Which, yeah, yeah. Which sport? Uh, football, uh, football, okay. football, soccer for any Americans listening. Um, but the Japanese team, they looked so androgynous. And <laughs> that's kind of the thing with the age, like with the <laughs> Koreans as well. I'm like, hmm, are these robots? <laughs> now you understand. You finally understand why uh, Gary Oak and Pokemon asked, are you a boy or a girl? Because in their culture, you don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, I was listening to a thing recently, like, I've been studying like a little bit about the rise of totalitarianism mm. and um, freaking myself out a bit. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, and I was listening to like some comparisons made with what's happening now and mm. with um, like the rise of Mao, for example. That's, mm. that's the chairman, Mao. I, um, I do have his little red book. My dad um, gave it to me for you? Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll lend it to you. I think I have it here, actually. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Marx's red book though? Possibly. Maybe, maybe then Mao. Copied it's definitely it. red and has a picture of Mao on it, and it's in Chinese, so uh. <laughs> it's little as well. But I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, uh, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, well, maybe he's got a red book as well. Fact but, check um, us. But yeah, and I was like, apparently, one of the things that he tried to do mm. was to androgenize everybody. So like, strip sexuality out. Strip a strip. Um, Really? Kind of like people from strip people from wearing like nice, like feminine clothes, for example, mm. and then push everybody into this kind of like androgynous center. Um, That's an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept to like for for control, I suppose. And mm. because to the to a collectivist society, one of the most dangerous things is family mm. and Family can obviously include like romantic partners. Sorry, what's a collectivist society? Collectivist society would be communist, socialist. So 
individualistic societies mm. are generally capitalistic mm. because the individual has a lot of power and a lot of freedom mm. and you're ultimately fighting for yourself you're not really you don't have a real strong community sense and community identity mm, okay um it's every man for himself basically is individual or woman um, <laughs> every person here. for themselves nice. no not just persons every sentient being for themselves it's nice. pushing that line further um, and further yeah because now they're cyborgs about it's true yeah you're so right <laughs> you're so right um every sentient person every sentient <laughs> being 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 for themselves yes um Whereas a collectivist society, they very much have at the top of it, generally there's a figurehead, mm. one dictator. Mm. Um, and everything is about the national identity. Everything is about the community. Everything is about working together to develop mm. the the society and the, the culture and the power of the nation. Mm. Um, so examples of that would be basically all the communist countries because communism is collectivist you know you're all supposed to be working together mm, mm. and on paper that sounds great sounds pretty good sounds really good like yeah, oh, let's yeah, all work yeah. together but the point of it is is that you have generally an unelected leader mm. a dictator mm. um who has ultimate power over everybody and all those people are putting all their effort into effectively making the leader more powerful yeah. as opposed to making themselves more powerful and all the countries, uh, all all of like generally, like, I don't know if I can say all, but most of the countries mm. where real bad things have happened um, are the collectivist ones. Yeah. So, you know, you have like Hitler, mm. Mao, mm. Stalin, um, Castro, all of those leaders are leaders of collectivist societies, the mm. ones who have been like the the genocidal people um or, or the people that have just gone insane with power basically yeah because i um, feel like Russia, yeah, that's, Putin. that's a fucking thing like if you have just we're all fucking we're all human we're we're not we're not angels or saints or, or anything and if you give um too much money or power to one person it will like i think there's studies on this as well like it actually goes to your head it changes your brain chemistry yeah, yeah. and um it just never really works out in the way that you would want. Even if you start with like good ambitions, uh, your mind will get fucked up. Yeah, and so one of the one of the um, the, the the threats when you're trying to run a society like that, mm. you need everybody to basically not think and just do, mm. and everybody to be like focusing on their their neighbors and their community, and everything is for for the power of the nation. So like. In China, for example, you see that they've got um, social credit systems. Mm, so mm. the more good things you do, the higher your social credit system, which gives you like privileges in certain senses, and the lower your social score, you might actually be restricted from going places or doing it's things. So weird. And you're actually so encouraged weird. to spy. Like I think you actually get. Re I don't know if you get rewarded, but you're encouraged to basically like spy on your neighbors and report them for doing wrong things. Oh, uh, fucking a, a police state. Yeah, it's a police yeah, state. Yeah. And like, you know, it's the se like very similar to 1984. Mm. Um, and so then... That one I actually did read. Yeah. I did not read the spark notes for that one. Yeah, yeah. And that's very good. And it's like not that far away from the truth. Mm. Um, that's the scary thing. Yeah, that's the scary part. Maybe that's why it hits so hard because you can literally like see it so much. Yeah, it's, it can, e it can see it easily happening. And so then 
it's it's very scary because, well, for for the leaders of these countries who are trying to run them like this, family, mm. and it talks about this in in 1984 as well that they want to basically stop people from having sex and they want to artificially inseminate everyone, mm. um, which I genuinely think will happen maybe towards the end of our lifetime that people yeah. will start yeah yeah that that babies will be born artificially hmm. um people will be like fuck that i'm not carrying babies i mean maybe it'll even be um ethically like irresponsible to have a natural born baby yeah. with like gene editing and stuff like you can you can alter so much of the stuff make sure that they don't have any like born exactly. with diseases so if you're having babies like the natural way then you're just like adding a bunch of um possibly possible things into the gene pool so that would be interesting to see and i wish i kind of i kind of wish i was gene edited that'd be cool it would be cool but then have you read a brave new world no that's the, that's the one i did read the spark notes on and i forgot all of them oh wait did i ask you that earlier yeah but not on the podcast so now now oh. now they can know now they can oh. actually know yeah so like in a brave new world mm. <clears throat> what they do in in that is that they have everything like all all babies are artificially inseminate uh, artificially grown and they grow mm. basically they have like alpha beta delta and gamma mm. and maybe epsilon as well i can't remember they have four or five different tiers of them anyway and so then the alphas will be really smart like physically strong um and then the betas will be like slightly less smart and then the the deltas will be less smart mm. so that the idea is that they're growing a certain number of alphas to do like the the high level jobs mm. uh, you know the really complicated ones then like the the betas to do the majority of just like normal things that go on. Then like the deltas or the epsilons to do like the really menial tasks. Mm. Um, but because everybody is genetically engineered like that, they all love doing their job because. Well, that's good. That is least. good because like they have the exact amount of intelligence required for doing those type of things. Mm. Um, and like in a brave new world, they're they're encouraged to, oh yeah, we're talking about Soma. They're encouraged mm. to like have as much sex as possible, but never be in a relationship. So like, huh. okay. so like have like sex with, just like it, the, the, the idea of the society is to maximize pleasure. So mm. they do everything they can to just have like loads of leisure time, loads of pleasure. Mm. Um, they, they can drink loads of stuff. Um, and then they have these t tablets called Soma, mm. which when they take them, it removes negative emotion. So whenever they feel a negative emotion, their their um, motto is a gram is better than a dam, which I think mm. is a cool motto. It's pretty sweet. It makes me want to do it. <laughs> right? Um, so Where do we they, get some of this stuff? Yes, and they can basically just like remove those negative emotions. Mm. And if they if they're feeling really shit, then they can take like a little bit more, and they go into this like soma dream for a while. Then they wake up, and then they're like fine. Mm. But then everybody is still a total slave because there's nothing real. Really, there's nothing yeah. real. And then it comes to the mm, end yeah. of it. There's like one guy who like, spoiler alert, one guy who kind of like finds out, he kind of like breaks away from it and is just like questioning everything. He's he's pretty smart. Gets mm. to like talking to the leader of it. All Was he like, an alpha or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it says that or not, but mm. he probably must be an alpha. Mm. Um, and then he, he somehow like kind of like figures out that it's all weird and stuff. And then he's talking to the leader and he said like, yeah, it's messed up and this is the way it is, but what what better solution is there like everybody's thinks they're happy so if you think you're happy then aren't you happy yeah i don't know well it's, maybe it's not happiness it's more like everybody's feeling pleasure but it's mm. like that's the output that that's the goal that they've added into their little society is just mm. feeling pleasure and i think that that's sort of what we 
have been going for re recently. You know, people have just devoted all their time and energy into feeling nice things, which yeah. come from drugs, which come from alcohol, which quick, come from quick sex, bolts of quick pleasure. fixes, yeah, quick bolts yeah. of pleasure. But then most people then realize that that makes you just depressed. Yes. Because yes. those quick bolts of pleasure, you're just chasing more and it's mm. not real. Yeah, like I can I can spend so long on um, my phone just scrolling when there's stuff I would rather do, uh, more involved things that would eventually like give me a lot more pleasure. But it's just so easy to get caught up in just scrolling or, or drinking or smoking and getting these quick zaps, even though you are just um, deteriorating your brain by not using it, by not using it at all for the things that you love, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's like, and it's really difficult because that's one of the things that you have to like, when you stop drinking, taking drugs, you have to retrain yourself mm. to be sensitive and susceptible to the small little pleasures in life. And that mm. takes ages, because when you're used to having like loads of serotonin or loads of dopamine yeah. from drugs, sensing the tiny little rewards that you get from hard work or something, mm. it takes a lot longer to, to to train it back. It's like, yesterday I went to this juggling festival. Awesome. I started juggling again. <laughs> so cool. Um, and I literally juggled for about, must have been like four solid hours. Um, not not without stopping. Like I, <laughs> I was there like practicing, dropping the ball loads and loads and loads. I don't mean I literally stood there juggling. Mm. Um, How but, long were you juggling for? Continuously. Con no, 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 wait, what do you mean? How long can you juggle for? I don't know, like... How many things can you juggle? I can juggle four. Damn, um, all right. Sweet. But I can juggle three, like, for quite long. Um, it's, it, we're, we, we're a bit cramped in this space, but it would be cool to see some juggling. That'd be awesome. <laughs> we don't have a lot of stuff to juggle, though. Um, I've got my juggling balls. You do? <laughs> yeah. Can you show me? Yeah, one sec. Um, and then, yeah, I was there. And then I learned a new trick, two new tricks. Mm. But it took me like age. It took me like ages to to get my head around this new trick. And then when I learned it, I felt so awesome. And then when I landed these other new tricks, I was like, "This is so awesome." And the day before that, I'd like lifted. Um, I have like all these goals I set for like fitness and creativity and stuff. Mm. And I hit. Well, I thought I'd hit one of my goals, but then I realized I'd actually set a way harder goal than that because I set them at the beginning of the year. Mm. But anyway, I lifted the heaviest weight I've ever lifted at the gym. And that made me just feel like a don. It's like one of Damn. the best feelings ever because I'm like, I've literally worked really hard for this. And then you now you're there and now I'm there and I've lifted like the heaviest thing I've ever lifted like that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so cool. That is pleasure and that I that's real pleasure. Yeah. And the best, I always say this to people, like, the best feeling that I ever felt ever in my life mm. was when I climbed Sugarloaf Mountain in Brazil because the whole time I was going up, I thought I was going to die. And it was like four hours. It was physically really hard, mm. mentally really hard. And I was genuinely fearful for my life the whole time. And I got to the top and I was like, wow, this is ecstasy. <gasps> I was like, this is the best feeling I've ever felt. Without taking ever. MDMA. Without taking MDMA. Damn. And I was like, wow, this is why people get hooked on climbing giant mountains. Like, oh, Sugarloaf Mountain's, yeah. Sugar Mountain's not that big, like compared to like actual mountains. Mm. But I was like, this is awesome. And... Then I was like, right, the quest for wisdom becomes the quest for natural highs. Yeah, actually. Actually, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's what life should be, actually, the quest for natural highs. But I'll juggle quickly here for you. Yes, please do it. Please do it. Carry on. Carry on talking, though, because otherwise it's going to be...
boring for people. Tell me a story. That's true. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Um, I was at a I was at a club once. I got. Um, I had just been uh, broken up with, so I was feeling pretty bad. I was pre- feeling pretty awful. <laughs> and I sat myself down at a table, um, and I sat myself next to these girls, and uh, I wasn't really talking to them. I was just kind of in my own head. And uh, this guy said, this guy comes up to me, and he gets really, really upset. He's like, hey, those are my girls. Don't talk to my girls. And I'm like, what, dude? I'm just sitting here. He's like, that's my chair. I'm like, dude, I'm just, there's more chairs around. It's like, he's like, no, that's my chair. So I, I stand up. I, I pick up the chair that I was sitting on. I give it to him. I take another chair. I put it back in the location that I was sitting in originally. And he gets super pissed off. And he's like, hey, you want to fight? I really didn't feel like fighting or anything. Um, but I was also kind of in a weird uh, frame of mind. So I stood up. I gave him a little kiss on the nose. And that, that um, just confused him, really. Um, and then I left and at the end of the night, at the end of the night, I saw them, I saw him uh, walking out and the two girls just kind of avoiding him because obviously he's a fucking creep. And, um, that's my story while you were juggling and very impressive, by the way. <laughs> that's a nice story. So you pacified the man with a confusing kiss on the nose. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so now if someone mugs me, should I do that? See what happens. I mean, it's pretty risky, I think, risky. to be honest, but... Seemed to seem to work out that one time at least. Well, one for one, that's good statistics as far as I'm concerned. For sure. Um, I, I would. I've always thought that if, well, next time I get mugged, then I will, um, start acting like a crazy person. Probably. Because just say, give you your phone, just be like, <laughs> <laughs> just start yeah. like screaming and fitting on the floor. Then they'll probably like what, and they won't want to touch you. You're probably right. And they'll probably walk off. I've actually been mugged twice in Barcelona, and I've Ooh. won both times. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kissing them on the nose. Uh, no, 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 not not this, not this time. Uh, they're less boring, but they holy shit, they made me feel like um, you know, you know, like um, you keep thinking like, oh, if somebody does this to me, then I'm gonna do this. But then you're in the situation, and you're like, huh. It's literally what happened. Um, Cause a guy biked past, he took my phone, and I was like, "But that's mine." It's like I keep holding it, and I reach out and I grab his bike. I got long limbs. Um, I grab his bike. I stand up and I, I lock eyes with him. I'm like, "Holy shit! What am I doing? What the fuck am I doing?" Cause I wasn't thinking about it. I'm just like, "That's my phone. I need my phone," and he apologizes and gives it back. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sweet. All right. You're not a, you're not a very good thief." Yeah. Um, but like the the biggest, uh, I think the biggest uh, crime problem in Barcelona is petty theft, which mm. is a pretty good problem to be the biggest problem. Um, and uh, so I guess they're all pussies, really. They all seem like just kids who uh, need some some a nice talking to, to be honest. Uh, but the second are you the time, person to do that for them? Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'd like to be that just person. Stop them. Say, would you like to sit on my knee and I'll give you a chat? <laughs> yeah, I need to learn Spanish first uh. before I can talk to them. Uh, but the second time, the second time um, I was coming home, just got off the plane from Sweden and I was uh, dancing, listening to some uh, music and uh, I feel a, a tumble, a rustle in my pocket. Luckily, I'm wearing a, a jacket that's like, I guess it's kind of hard to just bring your hand out. So I turn around and I see him there and he's like, huh? And I, I push him off and um, he he just he's just like, he just runs away. I mean, I'm like, 
These guys are... Runs away before you got a chance to ask him for his number. Yeah, really. Like, I, I thought that was pretty ballsy of him. Like, I, I like bad boys, you know? <laughs> so, it's too bad. Come back, come back. <laughs> like, run after him. That'd be so funny. You're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Come back. Um, but unfortunately, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him again. It was, it was pretty dark. Um, and I was pumped full of adrenaline. Uh, felt pretty good. So, I might, I might start getting mugged more. Um, okay. If you know any muggers, just, like, send them my way. Uh, try to take my stuff. We'll see if you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I know where you live, so that's true. That's true. I can send them there to break in. Oh, please do that. That would be so awesome. Um, I live pretty high up, so I can throw stuff at them. And um, as like as love we... letters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I I put rocks in the love letters. Otherwise, you don't know they could like fly away, float true, away. True, true. Yeah, just want to make sure that they get to the right person. Very wise. Um, speaking of wise, Vem, as we draw to a close today, what are your words of wisdom for my audience? My words of wisdom are, my words of wisdom are, um, try to love yourself in uh, whatever form you may be, uh, even if you're not really where you are at right now or who you want to be right now, uh, try to still love yourself for the things that you do have going on, because... Um, if not, then it's going to be a lot harder to get to a place where you could want to be in the future. Does that make sense? That makes sense, fam. Sweet. Thank you for those wonderful words of wisdom. Um, where can people find you? Uh, people... Other than your house. <laughs> well, only Connor can find me at my house. Uh, unless you post the address. I hope you don't do that. Um, but you can find me um, at vem.who. That's V-E-M dot W-H-O. Uh, on Instagram, if you want to follow the Comedy Clubhouse as well, um, I, I have a very large interest in that, <laughs> uh, and that's at the Comedy Clubhouse BCN. Um, yeah, I guess I do have TikTok as well, same handle as Vemhu, but uh, I'm not too active. Vem also means who in Swedish yes, than for all the non-Swedish people out there. It's true. It was so funny in Sweden. Like uh, people would ask me, uh, "Hey, what's your name? Who? You? Yeah." What? <laughs> that was such a good clusterfuck. Now it's just a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> it is a cool name. I like it. Thank you. I think Vem Who is a great stage. I totally wasn't fishing for that at all. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Vem, um, closing tradition on this is for me to give you a little gift. Um, so. What? I like presents. Shout out to anyone who wants to give me presents or snacks. Snacks work really well. I love It like is. That. A Quest for Wisdom t-shirt. No way. Oh my God. That's awesome. Holy shit. Can I, can I like, can I crop this and like uh, yeah, make do it? Yeah, do I have two sizes. I didn't know which, I have a large or an extra large. I, I didn't know if you like them baggy or I do extra like, baggy. I do like baggy. Which one's that? We can try them both on, see which one you want. Anyway, fam, mm. this has been a wonderful episode. Oh, this is so nice. We Thank hope to have me. you back in the future. That'd be awesome. And, when I'm wiser. Um, enjoy yeah you'd be wiser in the future and you'd be older yeah well um, hopefully not we'll see what technology does yeah. and um yeah lovely to see you farewell for now everybody goodbye bye bye see you later thank you for listening to the quest for wisdom podcast with your host connor monaghan if you enjoyed the episode and would like to support the show then please like it subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you are using this small act is a massive help and is hugely appreciated. You can find more information about all of our guests on thequestforwisdom.com 
and follow us at The Quest for Wisdom on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for exciting updates. We also have a Patreon account for anyone who would like to contribute towards the running of the show. Finally, I would like to thank the Comedy Clubhouse in Barcelona for allowing us to record here and for their ongoing support. If you are ever in Barcelona, make sure to check it out for daily shows of comedy and performance art in English. Farewell for now.